God says that you are free. If God justifies us, who can be against us? If God says we're free, we are free. And there's no one that can keep us down or keep us back. I pray that you would walk in agreement with that declaration over your life. You are free from sin and death. You are free from the power of the grave. You are free from condemnation. You are free this morning. Oh, God, thank you for liberating us. Thank you for setting us free, giving us a mindset to understand that. I pray that every shackle, every chain would be broken today and that we would fly, Lord God. We would go and be restored and soar like eagles, Lord Jesus. We would run. We wouldn't be faint, Lord. We're going to walk. We're not going to stumble, oh God, but we're going to rise in a newness of life. And if you'll receive that, say amen this morning. Amen and amen. Praise God. Wow, we've got so many wonderful guests here this morning. I see people from all over the place. Well, we need to introduce and honor, honor our guests. We've got Steve Van Basler, an elder in Christ's community. And so we praise God to see you here, Steve. Give Vicki our love. Amen. One of our elders, Jody McLean from Tijuana, Mexico, our missionary. And I don't know, that yes, our speaker from yesterday. Would you just say hi to everybody? From our, our children's ministry. Greg, why don't you tell us how it went yesterday? <laughs> okay. Amen. Lenita, he and her husband are in Florida, and so she's here from Florida, and we thank you for bringing the clearing of the snow. So, amen. What a good time we had. Let's go to the Word of God, shall we? I just feel compelled with a message this morning to uh, speak to you about being the message And so let's ask Jesus to help us. Lord, would you help us understand your word and all that is in it and all that it is to become within us? And we thank you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm just under a conviction that we've had a problem between us and the Bible. Uh, When you consider what this book is, uh, this is a living book. These pages and these messages are are not historical documents, they're letters from God. The Old Testament, New Testament words here were written oracles, words that came from God on the lips of prophets and, in fact, God's own Son, Jesus, the Logos Himself. And these words were spoken to a people specifically at a time with a life and a purpose. And they were to speak of what was, what is, and what is to come. And this, we've turned it into a history book. We've turned it into something we look at 
and uh, see what happened in the past, but it wasn't meant for that. It was meant to be a last will and testament that God wrote of all his promises that as Jesus died, the will became executed and the Holy Spirit is now the one who is the executor of this will and makes every promise in this word alive in you. And so everything in this book is to come back alive. What God said to Moses is supposed to come alive in you. What God prophesied to Isaiah is fulfilled in in Christ in you and coming alive again. We've got to reread this word, not as history, but as a living document for ourselves. There's new dimensions in this. So we need to begin to understand that. And let me take you into a portion of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 4 that just boasts of what this word is and what it's become. Hebrews chapter 4 is a tremendous verse, uh, chapter of Scripture because it talks about the Sabbath of God, that there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God, and we've entered into it. This big debate, is Saturday the Sabbath? Yes, it is. What are we doing on Sunday? Well, it's the Lord's Day, Resurrection Day, and we have a battle over whether we should worship on Saturday or Sunday, and we're missing the point. The living oracle of God is that today is the day of salvation. You've entered into the rest of Christ. Sabbath is Jesus. Jesus is Sabbath. Your rest is in Him. We have peace with God. You getting it? Sabbath is mine. I'm in Sabbath. I am Sabbath. I'm resting. What's amazing about this Hebrews 4 is then it goes into this section on the Word of God and then into Jesus as the high priest. You know, when the writer of Hebrews wrote this, he didn't put chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter... Someone else did, and on this one in chapter 4, I don't know why they put chapter 5 where they did. I think it should have started here at 4.12, because it shifts into the priesthood. And so when you begin to see Jesus as the high priest, you, it, before we even begin there, it talks about the Word of God, and it says, for the Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of division of soul and spirit, to the joints and the marrow, and the discerning of thoughts and intentions of the heart, and then it goes into the high priest. It's kind of a weird transition. Jesus is the Sabbath, he's our Sabbath, he's our Sabbath. Hey, the word of God is sharp as active, and Jesus is a high priest. And I, I didn't understand that till I began to pray and seek God. And you know what? In his shifting to the high priest, I realized what he's talking about. He's talking about Sabbath rest and all that, and then he talks about the priesthood and bringing the sacrifice, and what he talks about is that the high priest and the priests of God were the ones who chopped up the sacrifice. When that sacrifice was prepared, he took the meat cleaver, and he went, bam! And guess what a meat cleaver does? It divides between the joint and the marrow. It separates that which is to be offered to God and that which is of flesh and that which is for God. And that's what the high priest does. That's what this Word of God does. It's living and active. It's not a history book. Oh, it's got history in it. It's not a science book. Oh, it's got science in it. It's a living, breathing message that's to go in us and manifest in us. This is supposed to be digested and to become this, us. How does it happen? 
The Word of God is living and alive. It's active. And when it gets in you, it's like a meat cleaver. Anybody been there? It starts to cut and divide between the joint and the marrow. That's how you butcher an animal. Did you know that? You ever been to a butcher shop? We don't go to butcher shops. We buy cans of ham at the market and stuff like that. Don't buy cans of ham. Don't do that. (laughs) I think there's evil (laughs) in cans of ham. Did you ever see canned chicken? Something's wrong with that, too. I don't understand that. All right, sorry, I went, I went astray. But I mean, when you consider this, this is what he's talking. He's talking about the Word of God that's going to slice and chop and prepare us to be used as that which is active with God, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. How many of you need a good meat cleaver between what you think and what God's Word says? I was talking to someone this morning and they said, you know, that they were in a place uh, where uh, they had lost a loved one and, and it's depressing and, and the way to get out of that, they put on praise music and the meat cleaver came and cut off that depression that they were moving into and they moved into a place of worship. This word is alive. Jeremiah is alive to speak to you. Joel is alive to speak to you. The Gospels are alive to speak to you. They're written to be in you and to be in us. Be the message. Be alive. And that's what the Word of God does. It separates out, becomes active in us so that we will become people who are prophetic and not pathetic. We think prophetic is the new wave of the charismatic and the, and the Pentecostals uh, are bringing in back prophetic. It never left. It was never supposed to go anywhere. It's not just an office. It's who every believer is. The church in America has become the pathetic. And God's saying, no, 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 you're my prophetic. You're my prophetic. You're me here now. You're coming alive. And the Word of God is alive. How many of you know America needs a living prophet? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ once again. And you bring this gospel message. And I'm just going to focus on three portions of Scripture for us to begin to move again in prophetic presence of God. We are to be the truth. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter 4.10 Be the truth. I'll put it up there for you. You can't see that. I can't see that. Peter says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We're to be glorifying Jesus Christ now. Again, we're to be this book of the law. We're to be this life of God. Amen? We're to be this Word of God. And and Peter puts it this way. He said, you received a charismata. Use it to serve one another. Charismata, you've received the gifts of the Spirit. And so these gifts, this is God in us, the Spirit of God. This grace is in us, gracing us to grace what? The world. 
What's, what's happening in us isn't supposed to stay in us. And so you've got gifts of God. Everyone that's a believer has the charis of God, the grace of God. And in that grace of God, it is the gift, the charismata. You're to give it. Use your gifts. And then he says, speak. Everybody speak, whoever speaks. Y'all speak. Does everybody speak here? I heard you. You were worshiping. You speak. If anybody speaks, speak what? Oracles of God. Now this is interesting because, you know, when you look at commentators and theologians, you have the ones that are very nervous about charismatics. And I say, well, this oracles of God is talking about Moses and the law and talking about the Old Testament, talking about Scripture, and you're supposed to speak Scripture. And that's true. But it goes beyond that. Because the word used for oracles is a word, logian, which means an inspired utterance. So not only are we to know the Word of God and speak the Word of God, but you know that you're supposed to speak an utterance that comes from God when you're in the grocery line and you see the checkout lady and she's just, just man, she's wasted and tired and another uh, order she's uh, passing through. And you say, you know what? God loves you. That's an oracle from God coming out of the compassion of Jesus in you. You speak it to her and she goes, Really? Thank you. With every anointing that Isaiah had, that Daniel had, with Ezekiel seeing wheel inside the wheel and all the freaky stuff he saw, you speak an oracle of God. God loves you. You look nice today. Can I pray for you? These are oracles of God? Absolutely. Under the unction of God spoken under the inspiration of God's Spirit, you're ministering to people's lives. You who possess the very Spirit of God are speaking life to people. Be the Word of God to people. That's what God's calling us to be. This is exciting. When you get your head in gear with this, going to the grocery store is not a chore anymore. It's an adventure. Tell my wife, we're going evangelizing. Let's go to dinner. I like that. God's going to give an appointment. And, and the, uh, I was going to say stewardess, but they don't work at restaurants. Waitress, waitress, the waitress comes. That's a divine appointment. I mean, we've got to start thinking like this. Right? Jesus said, I have to go to Samaria. There's a lady at the well I've got to go to. That's, that's my food for God. That's the meat of the Lord. I've got to go talk to someone. So we'll go to a restaurant. The waitress comes. And we begin to minister the grace of God. I'm going to speak an oracle of God to you. She forgets and comes later. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. We're good. How's your day going? You all right? What can we pray for you about? They don't understand what to do with that. They didn't realize the Bible just showed up and sat in her restaurant. Jesus is alive and talking to her through these two people. You see, this is where we've got to be, folks. This is what we've got to begin to understand what God is doing in our lives. Oh, man, if this you're just reading as a devotional book in the morning to get a fortune cookie feeling, that ain't it. Be the Word alive. And so Peter goes on to say, if you have a gift, use the gift. If you're going to speak, speak the Word, speak God. And then if you're going to serve, diakonos, that's a servant, serve with the strength that God supplies in order that everything, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. 
In everything, God's glorified. In everything, God's glorified because he gave you gifts, he has you speak, and he has you serve. And God is glorified. So where is God glorified then? According to Peter, he's glorified in us. See, if we're not the Word, if we're not the Bible, if we're not Jesus... We have no impact on a culture. Believe me, going to a building once a week has no impact on a culture. People do that all the time. In fact, they frequent other buildings. People go to bars more than people go to churches. We are the church. We go out there. We are the Word of God. We're the living representative of Christ. See, we've been reading this thing wrong. We don't read it. We be it. I'm sure that's not proper English. We be it. We be it. Be the word. Secondly, let's take another look. Be the message. Be the truth. Be the message. 2 Corinthians 3 3. Turn with me. Turn with me there, please. 2 Corinthians 3 3. Peter tells us to be oracles of God. Now Paul tells us to show up. Same point. He says this in 2 Corinthians 3.3. And you, who do you think he's talking to? The church at Corinth. Only the church at Corinth. Only those believers in the city of Corinth back 2,000 years ago And if we exegete this properly, we're going to see that he spoke to that group and only those people. Now, I think it's further than that, don't you? I think it goes deeper than that. I think it goes into today, right now, on the corner of this block, God's talking to you and me. He's talking to us. And he says this, and you show... That you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, the apostles' doctrine, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Do you see what he's saying? Yeah, this thing with Moses that happened, that really happened, that affected a people and all that, it's still going on, but now the Spirit's not writing on stone. He's writing on you. He had to take out the stony heart before he came in. Ezekiel tells us that, right? Took out a stony heart and put in a living, breathing heart, the heart of his own heart of God, and he's writing on us the very words and character and nature of God in us. He said, you guys, you show. What do you think show means? You show it. You demonstrate it. You prove it out. You live it. Have the heart of God show up. Be the Bible. Be the Word of God. Be Jesus with skin on. Did you ever hear that story? Jesus with skin on? I'll tell it to you because some of you don't know it. Little girl. the lightning storm out. Mom and dad put her to bed. Middle of the night, crashes. She gets up, ah, runs into the bedroom. Mom and dad, I'm scared, I'm scared. They go, it's okay, honey, it's okay. Just pray to Jesus. 
and go back to bed. It's okay. It's just lightning. It's okay. Angels are bowling. It's okay. Just go ahead. Did you pull that one on your kids? So she goes back to bed, tuck her in. It's okay. They go back to fall asleep. Half hour later, <laughs> It's okay, it's okay. Just talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus, honey. It's okay. Go back to bed. She goes back to bed. She doesn't want to. I want to sleep with you. Dad says, no, go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. (laughs) Happens again an hour later. She gets up. I want to be in bed with you. I want to go to bed with you. Dad says, now look, just go back to bed, honey. Go back to bed. Pray to Jesus and just go back to bed. She goes, I want Jesus with skin on. Need someone to hold you. Need someone to hug you. And that's what God had planned all along. The reason he went to the cross was to clean us up so he could put his spirit in us. And once he put his spirit in us, then this word becomes us. That's what Peter's saying. You're the oracles of God. This is what Paul's saying. God's writing this word on you. So everything Moses wrote is now you. Everything that Joshua wrote is you. Everything the book of Acts wrote is you. Everything the Spirit wrote is in you. So invest it and then begin to live it. Show up. Manifest. You show that you're an epistle from Christ written not with ink, God had been waiting so long to write with his spirit. He wrote on stone. Then Moses broke it. Then he he wrote through prophets. Finally, the greatest, right? God at sundry times and in diverse manners and time past spoke to us by prophets and these last days has spoke to us through his son. His son came, the Logos came and put on flesh to speak, but that was not the fullness of his word coming alive. That was to accomplish getting rid of sin so that it could wash out of us, and then he could put his spirit in us so that a living epistle would show up at your job, at your work, on your block, in your city, at your school, in all locations around the globe to bring people to Christ. What a plan. And God, being outside of time, can write incredible, beautiful love stories specifically in you. God's not limited by, oh, I've got to answer their prayer really quick because i got seven others over here. He's eternal. He's outside of time. So believe it or not, He's writing on your heart even now something unique and beautiful. This morning, He's just writing this gorgeous, wonderful love story and letter on you, in you, uniquely with you. And you get to share it with other people and people read it. And they go, oh, that's cool. Yeah, my father wrote that. It's awesome. So be the message. That's what he's saying. Last portion of Scripture, Revelation 19.10. Be Jesus. Be Jesus with skin on. Revelation 19.10, John is speaking and he says, Then I fell down at his feet to worship. But he said to me, You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. 
For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's break this down a little bit. So, so John is just enamored. I would be too, standing in heaven. You see all these living creatures and 24 elders and the cherubim around the throne and seraphim up there and this glassy sea and an emerald uh, rainbow and lights and colors and flashing. It's like, oh, this is awesome. Then this person comes and John's like, oh, and he falls down and goes, oh, I'm not worthy. Hallelujah. And he goes, dude, get up. Don't worship me in this place. Get up. He said, I am one of the testimony of Jesus like you. For the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. Now let's break that down. Now, uh, some people say, okay, and, and uh, doing some research on this, uh, and we go and we look at the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. Okay, well, what's the testimony of Jesus? Well, that relates to the first chapter of the book of Revelation because Jesus says this is the testimony of Jesus, and uh, it has everything to do with the revelation of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, 2, 5, and 7, and when you put those two together, that's what he's talking about. It's like, dude, you're overthinking this. Because the guy just said, I'm like you with a testimony of Jesus. So what's the testimony of Jesus? Us! People who know him. We got a testimony of Jesus. We're a witness of Jesus. You're a witness of Jesus. So he says this, therefore, the testimony of Jesus is the pneuma, is the spirit of prophecy. So prophecy is the spoken word. Prophecy is the presence of Christ. Our testimony is the presence of Christ. You're Jesus with skin on. You're prophetic. When you speak and you're listening to what God is saying and you're moving in the unction of God, whether it's your gift, whether it's your mouth, or whether it's your service, Peter said, or whether God's writing it on your heart, your experience, the testimony you had with Christ in your life, you're the, the presence of Jesus in a dying world. Man, if we would begin to live our moments like this, every day, every moment, this is exciting. This is what we're supposed to be doing. You can say, geez, you're putting a lot on me. <laughs> In fact, I love this portion of Scripture, 1 John 4, 17. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as He is, so also are we in this world. Did you know that was in the Bible? As he is, as he is, so are we in this world. As he is the Son of God, so are we what? Sons of God. As he is, right now, as he is, right now, as he is, so are we in this world. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. We're seated on the throne with him in authority. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth and below the earth. Now, therefore, go, and I will be with you to the end of the age. As he is, so are we. And these signs shall follow them. So they shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall cast out demons, and no deadly thing shall harm them. As he is, so are we. 
We press into this thing. So, I want to encourage you, if you've been reading your Bible as a history book, as an Old Testament lesson, as a Sunday school uh, parable, good story, can I encourage you now to begin reading it as a training manual for your identity? That what God did for Moses, he's going to do for you. What God did with David, he'll do for you. What God did with Peter, he'll do with you. That the five books of Moses are now living and active in you. You are Leviticus. You are the sacrifice. You are the priest. You are the king. You are everything that's in this. Stop reading it apart from it. Read it being it. Becoming it. The same author that wrote it is writing you. He's writing you. And now that's a lot. Read the creation story. You are Adam in the Garden of Eden. Your Eden is is your home, your house. Keep it safe. Watch out. Cultivate it. You are the seed of Abraham. You are what the world was promised through Jesus Christ. Now Christ in you is that hope of glory. You're the tribe of Judah, the Judah of praise. You're, You're the tribes of Israel to take the land, this world for God with peace and love. You're the law of God, the righteous requirements met in you, Paul says. The sacrifice of God. You die to self. You're a living sacrifice. I mean, when you begin to read it, it, all of this is us. This is what we are. But we've been reading it like lessons that we add to who we are instead of being this. You're God's king. You're God's prophet. It's like, man, I'm just trying to get through life. What are you saying? (laughs) I can't balance my checkbook or remember my phone numbers or those stupid passwords. I got seven different passwords. I can never remember. And then I forget and ask for a new one, and they assign me a new password. I can't know a new password. And now you want me to be like Jesus. I want you to be like Peter, who gave it his all, messed up and kept going. I want you to be what we see in Scripture. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan not to just a couple of uh, Jews that he was speaking to, but he spoke it to us 2,000 years later, and he said, I want you to be the Good Samaritan. He told us the story of how Peter failed walking on the water, but Peter walked on water. And so have you. When the doctor gave you that medical uh, diagnosis and you didn't know what to do you said I'm going to walk by faith through this thing and I'm going to get through it as best I can and I'm going to hold on to God and some days you sink but some days you get back up because the hand of Jesus picks you up you're the living example of what it's like to live in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ yeah you may have denied him but he comes and cooks you a fresh meal the next morning And says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. All right. Because you're the living epistle. He never gave up on his disciples. They all ran away. But he came back for them. And that's the word of God. This word of God, there's no heroes in this book except Jesus. Did you ever notice that? Every one of these great men fell. Every one of the women in this book fell. That's not the point. 
The point is, God so incredibly and graciously loves us, he keeps working with us. We're the trophies of his grace. So he takes the fall and he turns it into something that works. It's like, how'd you do that? And so, I'm not putting anything on you. He's not putting anything on you. He put everything in you to have you become his word. To have you become his representation in this earth. That's what God's doing. And that's who we are. And I'm excited at what's happening. Look what's happening to us. Look what's changing. I'm telling you, something is happening among the people of God. It's stirring. It's a groundswell. And we're in this generation that's going to bring a great presence of God into this earth through Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, you've commissioned